Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and murder cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 57! Huzzah! Huzzah! Huzzah. Hoorah! Like the beacons! <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, 57, it's not that a fancy a number, is it? It's not a fancy number. 57, it's, oh, oh, actually, no. <laughs> I was like, 57, what does that number ring a bell? I was like, oh, no, that's depressing. No, I can't say that. <laughs> that was how old my dad was when he died. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's not go with that, shall we? <laughs> well, he shouldn't have got in my way. How are you, Nick? <laughs> I'm all right. Yay! <laughs> Slightly overheating. I'm very hot. Can you say that into the mic, maybe? No. I was looking around as <laughs> why I'm so hot. Then I spotted a radiator. And I thought, ah. Ah, that'll be it. Have you not turned off your heating? Have you made that no, mistake? not yet. Ah. And also, neither have I changed the timing because my heating is like steam powered and i need to go and change what? the timers on it <laughs> yes we established on patreon this week that nick has no concept of time when the clocks go forward and he no thinks all of on. the clocks and all of his appliances are still powered by little men inside you have to wind up yes, and you have to yes, tell the clock rather than them automatically updating my heating does not automatically update <laughs> You have to kick it to get it working. <laughs> anyway, moving on from I'm warm. Well, it's been unseasonable heat <laughs> the last couple of days in England. We've had glorious 20 degree weather in March of all it's things. It's snowing tomorrow. Don't say that. Don't say that. It's still warm today. It's lighter in the evenings and we can all gather outside together and in people's gardens. Crazy, <laughs> crazy behaviour. It'll never catch on. It won't? No. Oh. See other pe- outside, seeing other people, it'll never last. Well, uh, on that note, any poisonings this week? Mm, nope. No, not until you go to other people's gardens and see them not doing it right. Exactly, yes. Fair enough. Well, speaking of gathering in gardens with your loved ones, is I think it's time for us to thank our Patreon subscribers. We probably should. Yay! Thank you, darlings. Thank you to Nicole Brown. And to Ian and Megan. Oh, a duo. Delightful. You're very, very sexy. Very sexy Patreon subscribers. Oh, what joy and japes we've been having over on Patreon. Getting a nice thing going on the comments, actually, now on every episode. Yes, I like that. When I check in, I go... Oh, there are more people who have said stuff, and I like that. Love it. Love a chat. Yeah, good. The rest yeah. of you people, what are you doing? Yes, where are you? The people who do comment on all of our Instagram posts, it's very welcome. Please send us more messages. But yes, come and have a chat. We love a good debate. It's nice to know there are people out there listening. 
Yes, rather than passively having it on in the background so they don't feel alone. <laughs> Which is what I do when I listen to it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick. Yes? Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> to drink cocktails and talk about poison? I do quite fancy a cocktail. I'm in a cocktail sort of mood. I'm in a cocktail kind of mood. I'm in a cocktail kind of mood. So we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Me no. doesn't sound as fun. I definitely want that cocktail. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is cocktail time. As you know, dear listeners, every single week we pick a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. It is Nick's story this week. So he got to choose the secret ingredient. I did. Yes. And, And what confusion it caused on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) The secret ingredient this week, Nick, is... Is a naked man. Oh my! I know. Goodness! Scandalous. <laughs> you have no idea how difficult it was, me trying to find the picture. Obviously, it's it's a Da Vinci picture that we've used on uh, on social media this week to illustrate the naked man. But that did require me to write naked man illustration Leonardo Da Vinci because it was just 20 minutes of porn before I that. did. I mean, I just Googled n- <laughs> naked man. I had a great time. <laughs> And then later on, you were like, I can make a cocktail out of this, fine, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. I can make that work. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the story. <laughs> Did you just get confused while sending me the ingredient, like the secret ingredient for this week, and just typed in your internet search history? It's all true. If it is your internet search history, that's that's pretty broad. I mean, I mean that's, that's exactly, that's yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's, that's simple taste, really, isn't it? So, Just naked man, that's all I want. That'll do. That I don't want the scenarios or situations no, or costume, just naked man. I know what I likes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I do declare, as with a naked man as our inspiration for the cocktail of the week, what have you come up with? Well. <laughs> I shudder to that. <laughs> There were many, many options. (laughs) Did all of the sites where you find, found the naked men, pose the cocktail options to you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there was hours upon hours of Googling um, to find just the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) There must be there must be a site with like hot guys and cocktails. I, I didn't find that one, I must admit. Oh, God damn it. I will go and search. I'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> so. We'll make one. <laughs> yes. This is where, yes, let's go to our isolation kitchen. Nick, you've been gone for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a naked man, just the one. So, just the one. Just the one man. Da Vinci inspired naked man. <laughs> what on earth have you come up with? Well, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Oh, uh, fuck. We are making. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm so pleased I found this one. We're making a naked and famous. No! Oh, God, why? I walked into it. You I, did. Oh. You so did. How did I someone, not see it someone coming? Someone guessed. Some, oh, some, some people did. Oh, did they? So, yeah, if you look on the Instagram, people have gone, oh, just, It must have been just is. before this, and I've just been Ooh, sitting here going... Oh, going to hate it. <laughs> as soon as... I Suddenly, it was seconds before. It was like a premonition. You know, when you wake up before your alarm, or you just know that someone in your family has died. That's, that's, that's as bad as that. Oh, no. Okay, for people listening who are wondering why I'm screaming... <laughs> <sighs> A few people Jesus. probably would have guessed by now that they're screaming that, with excitement. That I know of joy. the naked and famous, and I know I don't. I can't remember everything in it, but I know it contains one goddamn thing, and it's been a while. Oh, okay. 
Naked and Famous. Without further ado, I think it's time for us to go into our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick. Hello. Nick, 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 who has been plotting this for weeks, no doubt. We Uh have a naked and famous. Yes. And as I'm sure everyone can tell from my voice, I am now entirely naked also. (laughs) And I'm famous. I'm not not either of those. But it is what we both aspire to be. Yes. Indeed. So the Naked and Famous, I I will give you credit. It is a very beautiful hue. Beautiful colour. It's orange. It's like a pinky, pinky, orangey colour. No, it isn't. It's just orange. It's the purest of oranges we've ever seen. It's mm. it's orange. It's like Fanta. Not like Fanta. It is. It looks exactly like Fanta. Fine. <laughs> right. Fine. You just gave up without a fight yeah, there, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, oh, it probably is orange. <laughs> okay. So the naked and famous. Now people may be saying, Schneid, why, why would would such uh, such an elegantly yeah. named cocktail why? Why? upset you so to this degree? Well, why don't you talk us through it, Nick? No. You have to. Oh, come on. You know the rules. Oh God. Get over okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll leave you poised to to think about what's in it. We're going to taste the naked and famous, and I'll see if I can work out what the mm, is in so it. So you already hate it, and that's just no. No, that's... no. I'm I'm open minded. Yeah, right. All I know is that I do know it contains one ingredient. I can't remember what else is in it. So cheers, naked and famous. Here cheers. we go. <laughs> that is delightful. Utterly, utterly delightful. Oh, it's confusing. <laughs> That's because you you want to love it, but no, your I don't. cynical brain I won't don't. let you admit the it's love. It's not. It's not. This is literally, this is the conversation I had with my mother when she tried to pan fry me some liver. And she was going, you love it, you're just lying to yourself. And I was like, I exactly. don't. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to everyone listening. And you should be ashamed. Oh, God. I mean, it's not. it's not as bad as some... But it's. I think it's best if you talk us what's, through it. What's Nick. in it? That it's so dreadfully horrible. Oh well, it's the remnants of our friendship, Nick. That's what's in it. <laughs> That's a tad harsh. <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess that there is chartreuse in this. Uh, specifically, is it yellow chartreuse? It is yellow chartreuse. Oh, the greatest poison of them all! Oh, I thought that was green chartreuse, but you're like that. You're okay with that one. Oh, no, no, no. You, you've, you've tried green on me. You tried yellow. You flip between which one I like the most and neither has worked because they're both full of twigs. Chartreuse. Mezcal is in this, right? Yes. And I love mezcal. So there is a lovely smoky hue to it. That's the confusing part because I taste it and go, oh, okay, it's not so bad. There's a little bitterness and the smoky. And then, then just the chartreuse appears, puts its head over the parapet and is like, hello. Hello, love me. We're in chartreuse country. Welcome to town. <laughs> you talk us through it, Nick. Am I, are my predictions correct? There's other things in here, I'm sure. There are, yes. So we do indeed have one of the best ingredients in the history of the world. Uh, that is yellow chartreuse. Slightly more unknown to its um, more famous cousin, the green chartreuse. We also have mezcal as... Yay. A- Correctly blessed. Aperol. So, for a hint of bitterness, oh, we have and the colour. The colour, um, yes, the aperol. Aperol, and then we also have lime juice. Ooh, lime, that's the well. tartness. Now, say, you did a few while back. Yes, Christmas. We, yes, we had the closing argument. 
which Good. featured mezcal and green chartreuse, which you mm. begrudgingly agreed was not a- fully admitted that it was lovely. It was exactly. that was a nice one. Somehow it worked. What was in the closing argument as well um, as those two? It was mar- your mezcal, maraschino, lime, ah. and green chartreuse. So it's a mezcal version of a last word. So this is very similar, obviously, but, but we have not. the apérol rather than the maraschino. Yeah, exactly. Which are two completely different things. They're two different things. <laughs> well, that's what you've got. So basically, tough. <laughs> I'm still going to drink it. Oh, it's so dreadfully, awfully, vilely disgusting. Because this is still the drink one it. cocktail I'm allowed today. <laughs> But hang on, I'm doing a second sip. Hang on, hang on. Second sip for the 15th time. And she knocks it back. <laughs> it's just... Delicious. Yes, moving on. No! It's a cocktail that, you know what, if I was served it in a bar, I would you go... You would fling it into someone's face. I would fling it in someone's eyes and just go, why, why have you brought this shame upon your house? I would probably drink it. I would certainly not order it again. Because it's not to my particular palate. It's a combination of bitterness and then herbs and a bit of lime in there. And to me, it just, I know it would absolutely (laughs) sing on certain people's palates. And I don't know why, but it's, it's, there's just something about it every time I sip it. And I, I swear to God, Nick, I am really trying to like it. I'm going, (laughs) no, come on, Sinead. You're being silly. It's like that thing that you just can't like you try and you try to enjoy it and every time i just there's a part of me that goes that's just wrong Ugh. fine well you did try it so okay points for trying points for trying points for effort <laughs> so, yes <laughs> every time oh maybe it's green chartreuse that i like more i know i flipped out about green chartreuse and then i had yellow chartreuse and then i think i decided green chartreuse was okay <laughs> but um there we are well everyone is must be delighted yes. to hear me screaming about chartreuse because it's been a while. I'm going to say there, there was an alternative cocktail this this week, which came very near to, to making, but then I chickened out at the last minute. Oh, okay. And you're just, as we go through, you may well guess what that might have been. Interesting. Yeah. All right, good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, with our naked and famous cocktails, mm. firmly in Nick's hand, he's skipping down the road, <laughs> Googling. I'm like a upset teenager, just scuffing my feet behind and begrudgingly walking along going, oh, I'm having a lovely day. But I'm ready for a story. Good. Is it time for a story, Nick? It is time for a story. Hooray! It is definitely time for a story. And one thing that we have discovered over over a year of doing this podcast is that Aww. those Victorians did love killing each other in many a gruesome and unpleasant ways. And Ooh. today's episode is no exception, full of murderizings and sinister goings on. <laughs> oh, we love a murderizing. So imagine, imagine, close your eyes and imagine okay. it is a bitterly cold December night. The fog is rolling through the docks and into the heart of the East End of London. Oh, I love it. It's very, very dramatic. There. there are gas lights, street Ooh. gas street lights, people going about their business in top hats and coats and, and capes. urchins on the streets going, uh, Is that what urchins do? Uh. <laughs> give me cash, bruv. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Shine your boots, governor. It's much like that. <laughs> now, one of the main roads running through the east end of London and out of the city is the Ratcliffe Highway. And it is not a pleasant place. It doesn't sound nice. No, it's known as a quite a perilous area to be in, full of seedy businesses and dark alleys and run-down tenements. Sounds great. According to one writer, it was a place where vice loses its charm by appearing in all its grossness. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, it's like us after one too many wines. Pretty much, isn't yeah, it? yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and that what went on in the inns and taverns was sure to shock more senses than one. <gasps> Oh my goodness. A scandal, a scandal. scandal. At number 29, Ratcliffe Highway, lived Timothy Marr and his family. Timothy was 27 and is described as a stout, fresh-coloured young man. Um, <laughs> he had been a sailor for several years with the East India Company and he had been on a ship called the Dover Castle. But he had given up life at sea to settle down with his wife Celia and their infant son, Timothy Jr. Aww. The Mars had moved into this area of London in April that year and had opened what became a successful linen draper and hosier's shop. They lived in an apartment above the store and had an apprentice by the name of James Gowan and a servant girl, Margaret Jewell, who both lived in the property as well. So they were doing pretty well for themselves. Yeah. wasn't a particularly nice area, but they did well with what they had. Up and coming. They were investing. You get you to invest <laughs> in the dive areas and then you bring exactly. it up from within. Exactly. Oh, very, very, very shrewd. They had a, a comfortable life. It is just before midnight on Saturday the 7th of December. It had been an incredibly busy day in the store and the Mars are still up and about finishing up um, before heading to bed. Timothy sends Margaret, the servant girl, out to purchase some oysters for a late night snack. Nice. They're all hungry. <laughs> 
and oysters are a common thing at yes, the time not the fancy so. ingredient that we assume they are now but at the time sold by the barrel load on street corners and in carts and things coming in from the docks and we wonder why there was so much death <laughs> so i mean it's in the mention of oysters now oysters was potentially going to be an ingredient oh for for the cocktail i did have uh, yes a moment of going um say we're going to make prairie oysters oh yes i've heard of prairie oysters that like well mo- famously from cabaret yes yeah with raw egg and brandy yeah so it's, it's raw egg brandy uh worcestershire sauce bit of tomato juice and a, like a hot spicy sauce Ooh. all knocked down in one i i would 100 percent go for that it sounds stupid compared to me shouting about a nice cocktail in chartreuse <laughs> but raw eggs and worcester sauce and brandy yes oh i'm down with that good one for a, a pick me up a bit of a hangover cure that's what it's designed yeah for i think to start the evening with one um <laughs> is, a, is a bit sort of a, <laughs> a bit of a telling state of where your life is at the moment <laughs> <laughs> So I decided against that option and went with the naked and famous. As lockdown eases, then we'll start trying them online. Exactly, you never know. Anyway, so oysters aside. So Mary has gone out to get um, some late night supper for her employers. I mean, despite its late hour, there's still people coming and going in the streets. and, And Margaret makes her way to Taylor's Oyster Store to pick up the mm. the food but when she got there she finds it closed it's sold out of oysters they're gone home for the day she walks back past the mars store and sees timothy working away through the window and takes it upon herself to say i know that there's a baker's a bit further down the road i shall go there and see if i can get some bread or some sandwiches or something instead nice. she's away for about 20 minutes or so and when she returns she finds the building in complete darkness the door is locked. She knocks rather surprised that the family had forgotten about her um, and locked her out. I mean, they, they're they the ones who sent her out on this errand only 20 minutes ago and they've locked up without her. They have pastries. But no one answers the knock. Okay. Oh, I don't like it. She hears a creak um, on the staircase <laughs> inside. Okay. And the, the cry of young Timothy Jr. upstairs and she assumes that okay, they've simply forgotten someone's coming down the stairs now to let her, let her in. She waits. Oh, God. No one comes to the door. She knocks again louder this time, but utter silence from inside the house. No creaking floorboards, no crying baby. Getting slightly concerned and panicked, she starts slamming on the door knocker and and pounding on the door. Now, all this noise is starting to draw the attention of the few people who are still out and about in the streets. Mm. And one of these chaps is the the night watchman, a chap called George Olney, who wanders, his job was to wander the streets and he calls out the time. Every 30 minutes, (laughs) he he calls out the time. This is time before most people don't have watches and stuff or alarm clocks and things. No. And he it's his job to, to, to call the time. You out. need one of those actually near your house when the clocks go forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nick, it's this time. <laughs> All is well. Well, well as can be expected. <laughs> it was. I was asleep and you fucking wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> George, he knows the Mars quite well. He's a, he's a friend to Timothy. Um, and when Margaret explains what's going on, George takes his turn in knocking on the door, calling to his friend, <laughs> trying to get a response from inside the house. I mean, everything this, this young girl has spent the last 20 minutes or so doing... <laughs> He does, again, to make sure she's done it right. That's mansplaining. Well, exactly. Let me just do exactly what you did. Let me knock louder. I'm a man, (laughs) you see. Exactly, I'm a man, it'll work. 
Fuck George. <laughs> it did not work. Damn straight. Stick to calling at the time. Um, all this increased noise rouses um, a neighbour from his sleep. <laughs> John Murray, who owns the pawnbroker next door, mm. stumbles out in his nightgown to see what all the commotion is about. Oh, nice. Yet again, Margaret explains that she's been locked out. No one's answering from inside. Does he then try to knock the door as well? Um, I don't believe he does. <laughs> well, not that he, I'm sure he probably did, to be honest. But it's not explicitly <laughs> written about. But they do, both the, both the chaps notice that while the wind shutters are in place they're they're not latched and and secured um, as would be usual for i'm shutting up shop i'm going to go to sleep and the two chaps get a bit they start to get a bit concerned about what's going on Mm. john goes back through his own home and into his backyard which adjoins the mars shop he and he scales up the the adjoining wall and drops down into the mars backyard okay (laughs) spider-man the back door is standing open mm-hmm. slightly ajar and a dim light shines from inside i mean at this point he just thinks oh, well they're probably just really asleep tentatively pokes his head through the door and sort of calls out for his his neighbor calling out that he hasn't fastened his shutters it's everything okay but there's no response at all the house is again eerily quiet and still um he enters through the back room making towards the front door to to let margaret in and, and george he hardly gets a few steps down the hall before he is stopped by a a sight of horror oh god it is written that the narrow premises was so floated with gore (gasps) that it was hardly possible to escape the pollution of blood in picking out a path to the front door first he discovers james gowan the mars young apprentice he is sprawled across the floor at the bottom of the stairs as he approaches in the dim light he can see that his face is gone oh god completely smashed in bones and brain are cast up the walls such was the fury of this this attack jesus happy thoughts i know this is not the one to have a chartreuse (laughs) cocktail with i feel sick already nick (laughs) murray turns and hurries towards the front door to let in the night watchman but he stumbles and falls to the floor looking behind at what he has tripped him he sees the body of celia marr the wife, a massive hole in her head and blood still flowing onto the wooden floor. He gets up to run to the door. This time his hands and clothing are covered in blood that has soaked throughout the floor. George is absolutely terrified where John flings open the front door and he sees this sight, this, this panicked, terrified man covered in blood that he's fallen into together they venture back into the house to Mm. to search for timothy Mm. and they find his battered and still warm body crumpled behind the counter in the shop now with three dead bodies downstairs thoughts turn to timothy jr asleep upstairs yeah but she'd heard him crying she'd heard him cry they go upstairs the boy is still in his bed his throat slits so deeply that he has almost been decapitated. Oh, God, Nick. Oh. I told you, evil Victorians. Evil Victorians. <laughs> that is quite the tableau that you've painted mm. there. Oh, that's chilling. Oh, Jesus, sorry. Quite Ooh. a pleasant. A 14-month-old baby. Who would do something like that to a child? I mean, to, to the rest Monster. of the family, but to a baby. Utterly, utterly monstrous. Both <laughs> George and John stagger out of the house absolutely horrified by what they have seen now but by this time quite a 
a crowd has gathered and and more and more people from the neighborhood are, are keen to see what's going on and they barge their way no. into the house oh, to to find out um <laughs> yeah it's that knocking system isn't it going i bet i can solve this crime yep. exactly <laughs> they 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 light candles and they go in they say searching for the murderer who they think yeah, might still be have a little in look, the property they? but they want to have a look they want to see what's going on Ugh. Fortunately, not all of them are quite so ghoulish, and one decent chap does actually run to to fetch the authorities. <laughs> one out of <laughs> many, is, yes. One out of many runs to the Thames River Police to get help. Right, next historical facts. Ha ha ha. Oh yay! Historical <laughs> fact. We need to have a jingle for your historical. We facts. do. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's Nick's historical facts. <laughs> That's terrible. So, in eighteen eleven, there is no formal police in London. There are the now famous Bow Street Runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had been set up in 1749, and this was a, a collective of, well, it started off as a collective of parish constables. But it was their job to track down criminals and deliver a, arrest warrants and things like that. So a magistrate would instruct them to go and find Bob Smith, and they went and found Bob <laughs> Smith. They They were great at finding people but not so hot on the we don't know who we're looking for, we need to investigate (laughs) side of things. So they're quite two different skill sets, Mm. really. And it's not until the 1840s that the Metropolitan Police Form is actually created. But we're in 1811, so years before we actually have a formal police force. However, there is the Thames River Police. They police the water. They police the water. They have been initially set up to protect the docks and the cargoes in all the surrounding warehouses. But those officers did rise to the occasion when needed so the first official on the scene was officer charles horton from the river police now officer horton heads into the house firstly ushering out all these people who are there staring at oh look dead person (laughs) (laughs) posing for like selfie sketches yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and he starts looking about for for clues see if he can what information he can he can find in the master bedroom upstairs he finds a long-handled iron mallet covered with blood leaning against a chair he sort of assumes that the weapon had been abandoned when the perpetrator heard margaret knocking on the door and he sort of fled leaving his maul behind Mm. when he takes the the item into the light he saw that it is a a shipwright's hammer one side is flat for for hammering in and the and it tapers to a point on the other side which was designed to bash in nails it is covered in blood and hair oh god not well, jolly. that's that's pleasant so there we go very clearly a murder weapon hammery death hammery hammery death stop hammer time no don't do that don't do that <laughs> people are dead <laughs> <laughs> that's quite upsetting as Officer Horton continues his search. He can't really see that anything is missing. There is still cash in the register, loose change on the side. So theft is dismissed as a, as a motive. Or potentially it was theft and they had been scared off by Margaret yeah. banging on the front door before they had a chance to steal anything and they mm-hmm. had to flee. The other possibility they thought was maybe some sort of revenge. Did anyone really have a grudge yeah. against Timothy Marr? Oh. A coroner's jury was organised for December the 10th. The witnesses retell their, their story of what they came across that night. One argument that was considered was that well, perhaps someone had been waiting for Margaret to leave 
before they entered the house. They had seen the servant go okay. and then struck. But why? Why would they wait? I mean, the perpetrator obviously had no issue killing women and children. So why spare Margaret? Yes, why spare Margaret? Why, why spare Margaret? Margaret so, off for her oysters and her bread? Indeed. They was How considered, was, was she involved? Did she know mm. the perpetrator? Was she the one who had let him in? But, but if, if so... Why would she leave it at such a, such a short time? Why would she make such a fuss of alerting the authorities? Mm. And despite their investigation, they could find no connection, no reason as to why she would have done such a thing. There were certainly no quarrels or disagreements between her and the, and the family. And they saw they, they eventually they, they put that aside. Perhaps it really was just dumb luck that she had left at the right time. She went for the oysters, she went for the bread. Yes, maybe uh, she conveniently left to let the perpetrator in. But yeah, it's too short a time and they didn't steal anything, so what's the benefit? But did she just escape? Was it just... A horrible, horrible death. Absolutely. Oh, that's chilling. And that's eventually what they put it down to. It was sheer luck that she had left just as this chap had struck the crime had been committed between 11:55 and 12:55 when when margaret had returned and it was agreed that the killer had still been in the home when she had returned and he Ooh. had fled out of the back door one of the officers had the the relatively clever idea to clean the blood from the mall and mm. under the dried blood and hair they discovered the initial jp engraved into the metal jp who was jp oh drama it is drama i don't know who is jp the justice of the peace it was the judge's hammer (laughs) hammer of justice he gathered them to death Mm. no i don't know what is it no we'll find out won't okay jp is there anyone in the house who's called jp uh not in no No. not in the house itself no okay so panic and fascination in equal measure sweep through london i mean how can a stranger enter someone home kill everyone in sight and leave without a trace everyone is is terrified that this they are going to be next what this this demon who can get in apparently through locked doors and things like that and obviously the press embellish everything and there are many pictures as as he's a a wisp going through cracks in doors and things like that (laughs) to get to get into people's home murdering them and then fleeing out chimneys and stuff like that probably wasn't that probably probably wasn't wasn't that that. Uh, but you never know you never know the bodies of the ma family were were laid out at home and people again flooded in to simultaneously sort of gawk and pay their respects <laughs> to the dead bit of both really bit of sorry dead but oh look at yeah, that look at their face yeah indeed i mean obviously there's no sort of reconstructive anything going on nope no, look that's him without a head so yeah. oh, that's that it's probably a, face. a closed casket <laughs> no 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 it's not it is they're entirely open you can they can see they're just on beds oh they're my just, god they're, they're, they're just do, laid do they out cover them with a sheet or anything nope, they're laid out on beds so people can see exactly what's happened jesus christ quite gruesome the family are eventually buried underneath uh, a tall monument at the at st george's in the east church amongst a crowd of hundreds of Mm. people who come to come to watch a few streets away from the mars draper's shop sits the king's arms tavern it is not a particularly popular tavern yeah the publicans mr and mrs williamson they're in their 50s they like to retire early the king's arm is not the place to find a lively party they prefer <laughs> a, a quiet life it's like one of those old many kind of pubs you wander into like oh is there a vibe going no it's not a dive no. bar it's just a horrible <laughs> bar exactly it's it's not a it's not a happening place oh, oh. they live above the tavern with their 14 year old granddaughter kitty um and a maid bridget they also take in lodgers from time to time and in december 1811 john turner 
had been staying for a few months now. I mean, he was a quiet chap, and the Williamsons, they approve of that. (laughs) (laughs) We like a quiet chap. We like a quiet, slightly psychotic, strange man. Keeps himself to himself. That's fine. (laughs) On the night of Thursday, the 19th of December... The streets of the East End are unusually quiet. People had taken to barricading themselves in their own homes to avoid the fate of the Mars. All of a sudden, the cry of murder shatters the quiet in the streets surrounding the King's Arms. A parish constable who's out on patrol nearby rushed in the directions of the shout. He arrives outside the King's Arms, joining people from nearby houses who are peering out their front doors to see what this cry is all about. They discover a naked man screaming (laughs) and scrambling down the outside of the pub, hanging from knotted sheets. Oh, wow. As he nears the ground, he scrambles to his feet and runs to the crowd. The man is sort of restrained and made to calm down. The neighbours recognise the man as lodger John Turner. He naked. He's naked. They recognised him by his face rather than the other bits. Probably go by his face. Yes, yes. that was second. They were like, oh, that's John. <laughs> and, and oh, yes, definitely is. It definitely is John. <laughs> <laughs> Through his babbling, they find that he has just seen something terrible. Okay. <laughs> the crowd smash down the tavern door and discover the body of Mr. Williamson lying on his back on the steps leading to the taproom, his head a gaping hole, (gasps) his throat slashed, and one hand nearly hacked off completely, an iron bar lying at his side, coated in blood. As the constable and the crowd um, explore further, they find Mrs. Williamson and the maid in the parlour, their heads smashed in, throats cut mrs williamson neck had been cut through to the bone people start grabbing fire pokers bottles knives anything they can to arm themselves as they head further up into the pub and into the other rooms thinking that this this perpetrator he's still in the building somewhere Mm. and they spread out to to search in a bedroom upstairs they find granddaughter kitty she is alive (gasps) asleep untouched in bed she has slept through everything she has no idea what's going on Bloody and is hell. terrified when she wakes up to this mob in her <laughs> <laughs> you would do yes yeah absolutely you would be concerned we all know a heavy sleeper like that <laughs> where you're just kind of they wake up what's happened everybody's dead everyone's been murdered horribly <laughs> oh all right is there tea oh god why was she spared why well, was she spared? Bow Street runners are assigned to search for evidence and talk to witnesses. Neighbours say they had seen a tall man loitering outside the tavern that night wearing a long coat. Of course. But the, of course the best witness was John Turner, the man himself, who had, lit- who had s- nakedly scaled down the front of the tavern. But of course he was also a suspect. I mean, had he been trying to escape from the crime that he had committed? I mean, that's quite an extreme... It's quite a good and extreme way to avoid detection. Just like, okay, strip strip off all your clothes and run around screaming like a madman. Yeah, absolutely. Climbing outside the first floor window of a a pub while naked. So, I mean, is it... It's a good tactic. Was it a cunning ruse? I think that's a very good tactic. The moment that you are questioned about any small indiscretion you've committed, just take (laughs) off your clothes and climb out the window. Yep, wasn't me. I I was naked at the time. And now I'm famous for it. (laughs) In the tavern itself, they found an open window that had bloodstains on the sill, indicating most likely that the perpetrator had used this as an escape route. Mm -hmm. There were footprints in the mud outside, Mm -hmm. um, leading across a 
clay bank further down to London. Now, this seemed to put Turner in the clear. He had very very clearly been seen coming out of the front of the building arse first and with no blood on him whatsoever so how were their handprints and footprints going away from a back window no one could not see that (laughs) so he was quickly sort of thinking okay it probably wasn't him turner reports that he had retired for the night he was upstairs in his room he heard a banging on the door downstairs he heard mr willisom apparently open the door to to let someone in he then heard a massive crash. He heard Mrs. Williamson and the maid both cry out before more thuds and then silence. He had got out of bed after about five minutes or so of quiet. He had he had left his, his room and gone to the top of the stairs where he had seen a man crouching over Mrs. Williamson. He had then ran back to his room and that is when he had opened the window, shouted murder and made his escape. Obviously entirely forgetting the granddaughter in the the room down the hall. Yeah. Um, leave her be. Oh yeah, fuck <laughs> so, her. Yeah. Fuck her. Also, he was naked the entire time. Like he well, wasn't he didn't this, go to bed in a nightshirt or anything like that. This I did consider this. I mean the thinking so he was in such a panic that he had no time to put on any clothing. But he was able to tie bed sheets together. Did he sort of get to the top of the... Did he leave his room, go to the top of the stairs and look down? All this time he was entirely naked. Well, yeah, just creeping around naked. He just thought maybe he thought there was an opportunity there. Like, hello! <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I, I think he just know. quite liked being naked. Perhaps he just enjoyed being naked. And who could blame him? <laughs> well, quite. A primitive task force is put together made up of constables from various parishes um, a group of and a group of bow street runners i'm, I'm picturing the night watch from uh, terry pratchett novels now. <laughs> <laughs> mm. probably something quite 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 similar yes straight away they start arresting anyone and everyone they can find one particular chap who was desperately suspicious mainly because he had recently purchased a, a gallon of brandy obviously with a guilty conscience that's the only reason you would purchase a gallon of brandy of course and how was also had been found to recently have had his trousers cleaned <laughs> okay obviously obviously trying to dispose of some horrible evidence yes. on his trousers buying brandy as a as a guilty conscience he must be a murderer maybe it was just that was his cycle but about brandy <laughs> i gotta get my trousers clean buy more brandy so, <laughs> he was he was soon released with a, a, a small amount of lack of evidence separate witnesses also claimed to have seen two men running up the Ratcliffe Highway um, that night. One a tall man with a limp and one a shorter man. But okay, that's quite a picture. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, absolutely. And they're rather vague. Oh, yes, I've got a tall man with a limp and a short man. Yes, because that's the kind of tableau of evil Victorians, isn't it? Man with a limp <laughs> and a short man. A short man. Short people are evil. Absolutely. So these are rather vague clues and generally quite difficult to turn into to clear leads well, pretty much yeah. over the next few weeks the police seem no closer to finding the guilty party it uh, appears that london has a has a mass murderer on the loose there was no telling where he would strike next say people are terrified they spend their life savings on bigger locks stronger doors um <laughs> all to try and protect themselves at their homes and their their families i'm thinking of like really big padlocks there. massive bolts <laughs> really like padlocks the size of your head yes a coroner's inquest is set up at the Black Horse Tavern, just across the 
the street from the King's Arms. John Turner, as we said, had been cleared of being a suspect and he appeared to give a, a detailed account um, of what he had witnessed that night. They were like, please, sir, put some clothes on. <laughs> yes, he was still naked. He was still entirely naked. Still naked. I am a naturist. It is my <laughs> Several arrests were made in connection with the murders, but they are all released with, with no charges. Hmm. Then on December 21st, a sailor by the name of John Williams was interviewed after an anonymous tip was received. We do not know where this tip came from or what it revealed, only that John Williams was brought in for questioning. Um, he had been seen drinking at the King's Arms Tavern shortly before the murders. I mean, it didn't really matter that Williams was of medium height and a slight build, a description that in no way matched the one given by John Turner, who said he saw a long, a tall man in a long coat. Mm. But we've got a we've got a medium man who hasn't got a coat. Must be him. Still him. Yeah, must be him. Yeah. Do you have a coat uh, somewhere? Yes, it's probably you. There is never any hard evidence against Williams, but it was decided that he should be remanded in custody just in case, and he was sent to Cold Bathfields Prison. Um, nice. in Clerkenwell until he could be interviewed again at some future point we'll get around to it yeah but just keep him there until we figure out what to do <sighs> Williams had been staying at the, the Pear Tree Tavern and the officer had gone to, to search his lodging see if we can find anything going on where he's been staying they did find a, a torn shirt obviously mm. evidence of horrible murderings just yeah. having a torn shirt and talking to the landlord of the Pear Tree who at the time, was in Newgate Prison himself. Right. <laughs> for, for debt. So he was in debtor's prison. They discovered that another lodger, a seaman named John Peterson, J.P. <gasps> oh, what? Had reported a shipwright's maul missing from his belongings several weeks earlier. Oh, okay. Okay, the plot thickens. The plot does thicken. So yes, and I say, do we remember the initials JP that scratched into the iron ball found in the Mars home? Now that the police are now entirely convinced that they have their their man, the evidence does seem rather circumstantial. I mean, they say, well, he visited the Williamson's pub that evening. Well, mm -hmm. so did many, many other many, people. Many, many people like a drink. He had lodgings in the same building as John Peterson, who had lost them all. Well, lots of people have been in and out of the Pear Tree Tavern mm. as well. Um, and it is no secret that he kept his tools in his room. He sort of hired himself out as a, as a carpenter and handyman. Mm. And they found a torn shirt in his room. So these three pieces yeah. of evidence that they sort of clung to, convinced of Williamson's guilt. I mean, if you've got a serial killer running around, then mm. the first... But yes, we, we're doing our job. Yes, we've got someone. Rest easy, people. Rest this guy, easy, he has people. a small tear in his shirt. Lock him up and throw away Lock the key. Lock him up, absolutely. On December the 27th, John Williams is summoned from Cold Bathfields Prison to answer further questions in front of a magistrate. The courtroom is packed with people wanting to see what was going on, to hear the questions that were going to be asked and what he was going to say. However, instead of John Williamson's, instead of John Williams arriving, a prison officer enters the courtroom. Williams was dead. <gasps> he had hung himself in his <gasps> cell. Why? Now, after a quick conference between the magistrates, they decided to continue presenting evidence. Of course. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll just carry on. We'll just yes. carry on. Try him in absentia or in death here. <laughs> and by the end of the days, the, the magistrate is clearly leaning towards the opinion that Williams has committed all seven murders all by himself. 
any evidence that may have conflicted with this was quietly pushed to one side. Um, There was now no sort of... He was not there to defend himself. There was no sort of defence or anything because the the accused was not there. So we'll forget about that bit, but let's concentrate on this stuff. Yes. (laughs) That evening, the magistrate report to the Home Secretary. It was their opinion that John Williams alone had murdered the Mars and the Williamsons and that he had cheated the hangman by taking his own life rather than face the consequences of his actions. Mm. I mean, it is a bit suspicious when you kill yourself. Most certainly, it is. It's it's going to raise eyebrows. If you're innocent, why would you... Why would you do that? But Why also, would you he's, do that? he's probably well aware he is not going to get a fair trial. No. He is being seen as an absolute scapegoat for all of this. The evidence, while not strong, is being stacked up very much of this is all yeah, the evidence exactly. we need. And they are they are desperate to convict someone. Absolutely desperate to get this over and done with. And say so the Home Secretary is more than happy to go along with the magistrate's assessment. Um, and they decide the best way to end this matter once and for all i mean ordinarily they would have a good old-fashioned hanging we love a good old-fashioned hanging now we can't do that now we can't hang a dead man the next best thing we will parade his body through the streets what so that residents can see that the foul murderer was indeed dead he's not a shark (laughs) in amity it's not (laughs) what don't just parade a dead body through the street going we got him we got got him. him bloody hell on new year's eve 1811 a morbid procession winds its way through the east end of london it stops for 10 minutes outside the scene of each murder Mm. outside the king's arms pub and then outside the mars drapery shop Ten thousand people line the streets to watch this procession go by one carriage driver who's pulled up alongside of the streets as the cart passes he leans down and strikes the corpse with his riding crop across the head okay as you do because he's a bastard well all right fine this is weird <laughs> the cart stops at the crossroads of cable street and cannon street where a small grave has been dug in the center of the road william's body is removed from the cart and a stake driven through his heart what the grave which has been purposely dug too small so that he would be uncomfortable for all eternity he was crammed in in the center of the crossroads he remained hidden and forgotten beneath the crossroads for almost a hundred years <laughs> until workmen laying in a gas main discover the remains beneath the street with the stake still sticking through wow. the chest Poor John Williams. The body was removed for investigation. They had no idea who this chap was. There's no (laughs) gravestone or plaque or anything. So they just find a chap buried at the crossroads with a stake through his heart. Once they stop running around going, vampires in London. (laughs) Exactly. They douse the place in garlic (laughs) and ranch dressing. (laughs) The body is removed, but the skull is kept as a souvenir by the landlord of the Crown and Dolphin, which stood (laughs) on the corner of the crossroads that's a stupid name for a pub i'm just gonna say that the crown and dolphin that was just mashing two ideas together if ever there was one and also landlords or people in general don't take a skull from a freshly dug grave that you don't know anything about and keep it as a souvenir you're asking to be haunted (laughs) it is kept on display behind the bar where people would come to stare at the skull of the ratcliffe (laughs) highway murderer they come to look at it. No one sat down and stared it out. Stared at it. Stared <laughs> at the skull. Until one day it is lost. And it is lost to history. Wow. 
and no one knows what became of the skull. That is your story of the Ratcliffe Highway Murderer. The Ratcliffe Highway Murderer. That's it. That's it. What? But I have questions. There are many questions. There are many questions. So what? Uh, uh, So they never found... Well, they found their murderer. They found their murderer. They stopped looking. Whoa. But no motive. There were no no further murders. Maybe Um, they did. So they assumed they had got their man. Wow. What a story. But yes, what, what was the motive? No one knows. I mean, yes, he... He was a he wasn't a regular at the pub, but he visited the King's Arm Tavern. Don't really know if he had any contact with the Mar family mm. in their draper's shop, but he he was in the area. Well, um, it just certainly. seems like he was in the right place at the right time, but that's sort mm. of it. He was close. Perhaps did the real killer realise that? Well, the police aren't looking for him anymore. I'm going to scalp I mean, her. Psychopaths generally don't do that. Well, that is true. That is true. I mean, perhaps there was a motive behind it. Perhaps it was going to be theft, but they got interrupted. But that's what I was thinking, is that if it's a frenzied attack on the Mars and a very brutal and horrible, deep down psychotic murder, that he's going to just hack the family or just beat them to death and then was planning to get the money, but was obviously only a 20 minutes. It would take you 20 minutes to kill four people. And Mm. then was disturbed and then hammering on the door, runs out. In the pub, same deal. Killing people didn't have time to go upstairs. Naked man finds you. Oh shit! I don't want Naked any part man of this. Interrupted the whole and thing. then runs out as well, and then is then caught. So yeah, maybe he did do it. Maybe it's just quiet, unassuming, but but deep down an absolute psychopath and and thief. On the face of it, the way you presented it, it seems a little bit circumstantial. I, oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, in all the the sort of references and things I was reading, people are not convinced that he is at all that. It was, it was him. I'm assuming he objected and protested his innocence up until the point he hanged himself. Oh, absolutely. Up until the point he killed himself. Yeah. I mean, why would you hang so again, yourself? The, that is a why would you hang mm. yourself? Yes, I mean, it's more than likely that despite the relatively circumstantial evidence, they, they thought they had their man. They needed to close it. They needed to get it off the books and show the public that they were doing something. He probably knew he was more than likely yeah. going to be done for this. So is... I'm going to hang myself in my cell. Is that a better way out than a public hanging? I don't know. Mm. I suppose really I don't buy the fact that if you're about to go on trial and you're going to be hanged if you're found guilty, you'd you'd try and go through with the trial and go, no, I bloody didn't do it. You would think. Then hang yourself after. I don't know if they had actual suicide watch was that stringent back then. Hanging yourself before the trial does seem a bit suspicious. And it wasn't even a trial. It was just like a magistrate's inquiry to... To see if he was oh. fit to stand trial. Oh yeah, that was very premature then, wasn't it? That was a little so, yeah. bit of, we just want to set the date for the initial inquest. Yeah. I will hang myself! Exactly. This is the, we need to chat to see if you are the person we are going to put on trial for this type oh. questioning. Not even a full-blown trial. Oh, well that's making me think that he did do it then. So, mm, indeed. I don't know. So, I mean, it, yeah, as you said, it's it, sometimes it can be as simple as that. But such a such a frenzied attack. And... I suppose the thing that gives me pause, pause for thought, shall we say, there's no there's no good or bad level of killing. No, no. But to cut a 14-month-old baby's throat. That's a particular level of viciousness. You don't need to do that if you're just robbing the place. If you're just trying to get cash, there is something frenzied and horrific that has taken over you to kill a child. Maybe to stop the child from screaming. 
Yes. To stop the child from making noise, drawing attention, and then the maid comes back and, oh, God, it's all screwed up anyway. Maybe, yeah. Ooh, ooh, chilling, so, yeah. chilling tale, Nick. Nastiness. That did have the good effect that I was able to finish The Naked and Famous because I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a drink to steady my nerves. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Very atmospheric. I like the picture you painted there. It's so very, quite, very quite nice. So well, in Victorian crimey circles, it's quite a, a, very, quite a famous, famous story. Gruesome. Marvellous. And I did like the way they did away with him in the end, just like a, a stake through the heart. Bury him, mm. bury him at a crossroads. Very ye olde, isn't it? Stake very through the heart. Through the, make, through the crossroads. Let the make devil sure take he's un- you. he's uncomfortable for the rest of eternity because he can't lie down flat in his own grave. He's no, all exactly. Up just break there. all the limbs and then just parade him through the streets, the dead body. We don't have enough dead bodies paraded through true. the streets this these days. This is very true. I and I would be in favour of it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I really wouldn't. It would be horrible. And I do like a story that ends with a weird burial and a skull being found <laughs> later on. And a fucking and a publican. Skull in a pub. <laughs> yeah, a publican trying to coin in on that. Absolutely. Oh, there's a skull. I'll put it above the shelf. Everybody come and look. Two well, things again. Mostly, this was this was 1811. The skull was just the body was discovered about 100 years later or so. So you're looking at like the 19 noughts, um, the 1900s mm-hmm. that this was discovered. So it's a publican from like 1910. Yeah, I know. Still, I mean, have you ever met a publican who didn't who wouldn't put any old shit on the walls? Even then, it was like anything to get people into the pub. Yes, <laughs> we have horse brasses in some traditional places. Before that, it was skulls. Everybody look at the skulls of the murderer. Ah, oh, good story. Oh, a chilling tale for a, for a lovely um, spring evening, actually. Yes, spring, yes. Joyful, <laughs> joyful spring evening. Well, what do you think, people? Do you know the story of the Ratcliffe Highway murderer? What are your theories? Do you think that John Williams, the famous composer, did it? No, not him. <laughs> do you think he did it? Do you think uh, he was trying to rob them? What do you think his motives were? Or is it a completely different assailant? Is it likely that someone would just stop after those kind of attacks if someone else had been fingered for the crime yes tell us your thoughts comment on the episode send us messages going oh my god i will say nick you said at one point panic and fascination and i think that should be the poisonous cabinet perfume line <laughs> i like it i like it yes, panic and fascination panic and fascination i'll, I'll go with that <laughs> I think that's some new badges we need made up or something. We do need pa- panic and fascination. Uh, the, the perfume that, that will be awful. Obviously, it will smell of chartreuse. So tell us your thoughts on the story. And uh, the recipe for the Naked and Famous will be up on Friday. Now, it is a classic and a, a, for some people, a great cocktail. If you're into your chartreuse, this is definitely one to try because it's got mezcal in it. It's beautiful colour. I struggled. I'm not going to lie. Every sip I had, and I so tried, Nick. Every sip, I still ended up going, doing that that weird reaction in your face where you just go, like a cat, like throwing up grass. Well, But I finished it because it was a scary story. So if you have enjoyed our terrifyingly scary stories, there are so many more on Patreon. So many more. So you must come and join us on the exciting Patreon thing for... Oh, so so many extra episodes. It's mind-bogglingly. But for pennies, an hour. Indeed. And Patreon is completely flexible as well. You can cancel any time. You can commit to a monthly payment. You can commit to an annual payment to force us to do stuff. But come and join us. Come and have a chat to us on social media at 
anytime. Send us your comments, your thoughts, your ideas and more stories. The weirder, the stranger, the murders, the better. And keep sending those poisoning stories in as well because we do have some cooking along. There's still a few in the background, absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.